The reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus put a parable before the crowds. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to someone who sowed good seed in his field. While everybody was asleep, his enemy came, sowed darnel all among the wheat, and made off. When the new wheat sprouted and ripened, the darnel appeared as well. The owner's servants went to him and said, Sir, was it not good seed that you sowed in your field? If so, where does the darnel come from? Some enemy has done this, he answered. And the servant said, Do you want us to go and weed it out? But he said, No, because when you weed out the darnel, you might pull up the wheat with it. Let them both grow until the harvest. And at harvest time, I shall say to the reapers, First collect the darnel and tie it in bundles to be burnt. Then gather the wheat into my barn. He put another parable to them. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which someone took and sowed in their field. It is the smallest of all the seeds, but when it has grown, it is the biggest shrub of all and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and shelter in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like the yeast that a woman took and mixed in with three measures of flour till it was leavened all through. In all this, Jesus spoke to the crowds in parables. Indeed, he would never speak to them except in parables. This was to fulfill the prophecy. I will speak to you in parables and expound things hidden since the foundation of the world. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Well, the medium is the message. One third of the teachings of Jesus in the New Testament are in the form of parables. And they're very simple stories. During the retreat, we've been we had quite a, a good production of haikus, these short poems describing impressions of nature or the seasons or immediate experience. People have been writing them uh, during the silence. And parables, in the same way, as Jesus uses them, draw their material from very simple daily things. 
cooking, friendship, uh, farming, business, business affairs. So the things that most people are involved in in some way every day, especially in a rural society. And he uses these very simple daily materials to open our understanding to depth and meaning in life, according to our capacity. Perhaps one of, one of the reasons, as he said, that he chose this medium of the parable, because everybody can get something out of it, however short our attention span or however uh, lightly we, we, we may listen to it, we can get something out of it if we give it according to the measure of our attention. During the retreat, we also explored the nature of Lexio, how to read scripture, not just necessarily reading it silently uh, in, in our heads as we normally read today, but reading it as in the ancient world, people read any text by reading it aloud, quietly to oneself, moving our lips as we read like a child, and then reading it repetitively so that uh, the mind is drawn back to the text, to the particular words or phrases or images in the text that will reveal depth and meaning to us. And this awakens a sacrament, a sacramental way of seeing the world, which we have sadly lost in the scientific technological mentality. We no longer see the natural world in its beauty and in its way of revealing its source and its mysterious origin. We no longer see it as creation. We just see it as data. So the reading of Scripture and the, the listening to the parables by Jesus' audience, who were probably not literate, so couldn't read on their own anyway, but were able to remember and to be engaged with these, with these ordinary uh, images and, and examples engaged with the depth dimension of their, of their lives, seeing through the surface, not being trapped in conventional second-hand opinions, but actually in directly engaging with the reality of our experience. The meditation also restores this sacramental vision, this ability quietly engendered or restored to see the luminosity of the Spirit in all of the events of our lives, big and small, ephemeral and, and lasting.
in the first and longer longer parable, the uh, landowner and his household are asleep. And while they're asleep, an enemy comes and throws weeds into the crop that he's just planted. So an enemy is very, a very common form of revenge in, in the, at the time, in an agricultural society, uh, apparently even still now. If you don't like your neighbor, you get up in the middle of the night and throw these horrible things into their into the fields. And then you have the extra delight of enjoying your revenge for several weeks or months until the crop grows. It's a, so this is this is what how the hearers, original hearers of this parable would have would have reacted. They they knew what it was about. And the landowner knew what had happened. So this act of malice and revenge from an enemy. So one of the things we discussed in our retreat was how can you really love your enemies? How can you love President Putin uh, when he invades his peaceful neighbors and causes havoc and hunger in the world? How can we love those who act maliciously and vengefully against others. The the darnel or the tares, the, the weeds that the enemy sowed on the land, as it grows up, at first it looks like wheat. It's a, some kind of form of wheat, I think, but it looks a bit like wheat. But don't eat it because it will make you vomit and give you diarrhea and, and maybe kill you. So it's not a mild form of malice and enmity. It's false food. It's the food of evil. And the enemy had that satisfaction of enjoying this and anticipating it. Our lives have many weeds, many imperfections. Maybe aspects of our character that we can't ever seem to get right. When did they form? Where were the seeds of those imperfections in our character? Where did they come from? Way back, genetically, who knows? Or how do we deal with imperfection? The fundamentalist response is to destroy it, to pull it up, to get rid of it straight away. 
perfectionism, the virus of perfectionism, one of, the, of which religion is often the, the uh, transmitter of this virus of perfectionism, but, but it's got everywhere and into our whole culture in the idea of success. Only success matters. President Trump said that at some point. The only thing that matters is that you win, you succeed. Is it the only thing that matters? So the wisdom of the landowner is leave it. Do what you can. I mean, maybe you can't change what is imperfect. But, and you have to learn, very difficult for some people, to allow it to coexist, to concentrate on the good, and do what you can, if you can, get rid of the tyrants and the malicious leaders, but, uh, but not, to be, not to be overwhelmed by a false perfectionism and which is just as bad as the malice that caused the problem in the first place or the mistakes that caused the problem. Self-acceptance, self-knowledge and self-acceptance. Self-knowledge does bring about change in us. Self-acceptance gives it the time necessary. And it was while he slept that this happened, so don't fall asleep. Be alert. Try not to allow unconscious habits to take root. And this is what happens in society as well. I remember many years ago when I was traveling, one of my early visits to the States, and I traveled across the States, and I spent some time in the Midwest. And then I went to Harvard University and enjoyed a very different kind of company than I did in the Midwest. And I thought, these are two worlds, two very different worlds that do not communicate with each other at all. And it seemed to me, in retrospect, that many of the divisions we have in our societies today have been growing for a long time while we were asleep, while the privileged, the educated, the hands were asleep, and maybe looking down on the deplorables, as Hillary Clinton called the Trump voters. Do we choose to be unaware because it's more comfortable not to face the other? 40% of Americans, according to the Gallup poll recently, believe in creationism, of a literal 
interpretation of the book of Genesis and will fight to promote that in their schools' education systems. Thirty plus percent will support Donald Trump under any circumstances. Thirty percent of Catholics in the US anyway, according to those polls, disapprove of Pope Francis. So we might say, how did the guardians of democracy and and the teachers of the church, how did they allow the situation which has become so obvious now in our polarized social media, extreme conflict situations, how did those who should have known better allow this to happen and more important even, how do we deal with it ourselves? Well, maybe we can't deal with it ourselves. We have to allow the yeast of God. And that's other parable about the yeast describes how God acts, how God is an influence who is continuously intervening because he's, God is continually present, but doesn't interfere as we would like God to interfere, to wave a magic wand and get rid of the people we don't like and to give us what we need and make everything nice for us. What kind of God are we talking about when we say, how does God allow this to happen? Well, we just need to ask, so who, who are you talking about? What kind of God do you have in mind? And this very simple reminder of Jesus to look at the process of, of baking, putting yeast in that makes things rise in a natural way, but over time. And the kneading of the dough, well, we have a machine here, so we don't do it, but in, in the good old days where you kneaded the dough yourselves by hand, like meditation, making sure that, that, that it is evenly distributed. The work of meditation, saying the mantra, very like this contemplative work of, of baking, which I used to do, don't do anymore. And then the other parable here of the mustard seed smallest seed that becomes a big shrub and then a huge tree. We've got beautiful big trees here in Bonveau, 500 years old. It takes time for that growth to happen. But it is happening even as we look at the tree and just admire its rootedness and its bigness and its healthiness still growing. And that is the outward sign 
mustard seed parable tells us about outward growth, how we see the signs of that interior growth and transformation that the parable of the yeast describes. Yeast is inside the the dough and the bread. The and that is the inner life. That inner life, if it is real, is going to make itself visible in outward ways. In reach and outreach, as we say in the work of our community. So it takes time, and but it is the right use of time that we should learn to be faithful and to recognize those ways in which our minds change, that we go through metanoia, and therefore our character changes, the way we act changes, our opinions will change, and our way of seeing the world in a friendly way, will also change. 